Welcome to Sustainably Influenced, the podcast hosted by me, Bianca Foley. And me, Charlotte Williams. In this podcast, we explore our efforts to making changes to our lifestyle as influencers, to live a more eco-conscious lifestyle, and hope that we can encourage you to make one small change. This isn't just a podcast for influencers. We want this to be a community of people who are trying to do their bit, where we can learn from one another and share our tips. So join in the conversation over on our Instagram, at Sustainably Influenced. Emma is a strategic creative director, consultant and writer with a focus on social change and sustainability. She's the founder of ESE Consultancy, which works to elevate brands who have a desire to do some social or environmental good. And she is CMO at the Sustainable Lifestyle Awards. Emma's clients and projects include working with Cancer Research UK on their fashion retail brand and offering, Shelter, My Amico, Katie Jones and Bundley Baby. Welcome back, everybody, and welcome, Emma. Thanks for having me. Ah, brilliant. Um, so we've had a few technical difficulties earlier, so we're, we're glad to finally get recording. But um, I guess let's, let's get into the question. So where did your kind of interest in sustainability start? Were you always so conscious, or is this something that developed over time? I think it's definitely been a journey, for sure. Um, I think it's partly, um, for me, been training myself out of bad habits um, that sort of, I guess, come from the media and capitalist messaging that's been drummed into us over time. Um, I actually worked in advertising um, for a really long time before I sort of had a career change. And I think for me, instincts around the work I was doing the products I was selling in my earlier career won out in that it didn't really sit well with me to be mm. selling things to people that I didn't necessarily believe that they needed or even maybe wanted. Um, so, yeah, it's I've always had a, an interest in the psychology as well around our desire for newness. I actually studied psychology and sociology Um before at university before I went into advertising um and so yeah I've always kind of had a real interest in where that comes from and our confusion around kind of the buzz we get from that versus fulfillment from creativity of expression you know or fulfillment you can get from when it comes to fashion style you know art and ingenuity and storytelling uh rather than consumerism and you know buying um buying that feel-good feeling you see what I mean yeah um I guess I would say I'm still working on my conscious lifestyle as I'm sure most of us are it's definitely an ongoing journey um and I think it is really important it's important for me in the way that I look at my work and the way I interact with people when I'm talking about my work that we allow ourselves to to say that we're still working on it and kind of admit admit that because I think that's really useful to society in regards to helping other people get on board that maybe are not as far along in their journey as you are yeah definitely that's that's partly why like the reason that we started this is you want to open up that discussion and make it so that it's available to everyone and not just the choice for you or people that have been doing this a long time yeah I think totally and that and you know I love this podcast and I think I said to you before I think that there's real value in that positioning and that kind of um angle on it uh because I I think that often podcasts particularly of this subject matter can be 
can feel pretty heavy going from the outset as soon as you kind of start listening. Um, and I think definitely, you know, eco-anxiety is a real thing. And whether you know what that is, because it's playing out on a subconscious level, because you, you don't know as much about sustainability as maybe um, people who are, you know, really s studied up on it. It yeah. definitely affects the way you engage and whether you're ready to continue listening to something. You know, if you, if you, if you feel as though there's, there's some shame or blame or any kind of shade in something, when you're trying to engage, often people just switch off. So I think it's really important to create that kind of open dialogue from the get go. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, I've had messages from people before and I've always thought to myself, this is a really nice compliment in a in a weird way. Like they've said that we don't come across as preachy, mm -hmm. which a lot of conversations tend to be. And it kind of berates people for their actions, whereas we're trying to learn and we want to encourage others to do what we're doing or what others are doing. So yeah, it's nice to be, I think to have that open and more lighthearted conversation and educational rather than preachy thing. It made me laugh when somebody said it, I was like, Oh, it's, a, it's an odd word to use for a compliment, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that a lot of people feel that way about, um, about sustainability and also, you know about anything really where we're probably not doing as well as we could be it's really interesting how people perceive educational advice or you know um anything of that nature when you when they kind of know in their heart that they could be doing better um so yeah i think that, that how you how that's delivered is really important yeah it's i definitely get what you're what you're saying it's that idea of kind of like a little bit of they feel a little bit of guilt so become a little bit defensive so it's 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 a weird it's just the human mind isn't it it's just so strange but we all know that we can do better and it's it's good that people are listening to us to discuss this and see how they can change yeah. their lives as well totally totally so as a consultant uh you work with a huge wide range of brands on sustainability and social change and like so what do you do and how does it work? Well, that's a question. <laughs> um, how long have you got, ladies? <laughs> so um, my consultancy, the ESC consultancy, specialises in retail brand and marketing on, and on kind of how clients should communicate or can communicate to their customers about sustainability. As you pointed out and obviously um, like sort of honed in on with your podcast, it is difficult to communicate about sustainability. It's a huge topic. There's so many different areas um, and often you don't necessarily know where you're meeting your customer or your target market in terms of their understanding or, you know, what it is that they want to access when it comes to the topic of sustainability and ethics. Um, and so my work is often campaigns and messaging comms that kind of aim to both educate and change behavior in some way and um, to reach new audiences that might not already be totally in the room on this um, and yeah it's it's quite broad uh, which I, is how I like it I, I do sort of brand development research uh, research analysis sometimes I'm creating um, creative campaigns or just the strategy for businesses to work from um, and sometimes even product development um or employer brand stuff uh yeah it's it really depends um it depends who the client is it's a really diverse role you do yeah. so much so i think yeah not picking on yourself 
Yeah, I think it's um, it's really interesting because I was talking to a friend about this yesterday, and I think when you do, when your work is so diverse, it's really hard for other people to communicate what you do or even get their head around it, especially in such a new space. Um, I mean, I've been working in this area for ten years, specifically focused on, you know, responsible and thoughtful consumption brands, product, um, and consumer behaviour, but. I think that it still feels really new to people, um, even though sustainability has definitely been the buzzword um, of the last few years, it's still a pretty new topic for people. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. How did that start? How did, when did you decide to become a consultant? So um, as I say, I worked in advertising for really, uh, for quite some time. I, um, my sins for many of the big London advertising agencies um, and it kind of just didn't sit with my soul and my ethos um, and so whilst I was really good at my job um, I really wanted to kind of do do something else do something new um, and I also I, I had started running a style consultancy on the side of my advertising career which was focused on um reteaching or relearning the art of styling yourself with what you already had so i had a style consultancy it's called back of the wardrobe it really okay. did on the tin um, <laughs> and yeah it was all about kind of accessing what's already in your wardrobe to create new looks so the tagline was old um clothes new ways of wearing them um, and that was pretty that was pretty successful um even though at the time i didn't necessarily focus um completely on messaging that was about sustainability it was actually about um being economic and economical um and you know if you didn't have loads to spend how you could utilize what you already had but still look really chic really fashion forward um, and there was definitely customers, there were definitely customers that were more interested in the sustainability side of things, but it was pretty early days for that. That, that, that was like 2009, I think, that um, that was kind of where I was with that. Um, and that kind of developed. I was very much on the sustainable fashion scene, um, you know, hanging out with um all of the guys from Ethical Fashion Forum and then Fashion Revolution when it arrived. And it was very much a small niche community um, at the time um, that was working hard to kind of grow this movement. Um, but we, we kind of all knew each other and we shared resources and it was, yeah, it was a, it was a really cool time. Um, but obviously it's, it's now amazing that this has grown so much bigger um, than it was when, when, when I started. Um, but I think, yeah, my, my, my interest really grew in this area um, and I took it upon myself to kind of really educate myself. And I then started to work with brands that were sustainable and ethical, um, developing their visual comms. Um, and then obviously because of my marketing and advertising background, I ended up always knowing, I, I knew what they should be doing. So I ended up doing the strategy and it kind of grew from there um, so with the combination of knowledge of um, you know really what brands should be doing from a, um, a, a product 
perspective, a supply chain perspective, um, and an ethic from an ethics perspective, um, combining that with the advertising knowledge, yeah, it just um, it sort of evolved and then went from there. Here we are. I love that. Yeah. You basically created a role that kind of developed into what you um, are doing now, but it sounds like it was really natural. You did one thing and then you naturally kind of fell into your whole career, which is incredible. Yeah, it's been really organic. Um, And I think, you know, as somebody who's entrepreneurial, I think that that is really the joy in the joy in this area is discovery and learning and education and you know the the opportunity to really change things is I have a real appetite for that so I think that's why my role has evolved so much because I'm definitely always looking for the thing that's going to make more impact uh, have more impact rather um and yeah that kind of fuels me that's brilliant it's also quite interesting giving that kind of timeline showing how long you've been in this area so it sounds like you're one of the originals from the kind of especially on the fashion side sustainable fashion um yeah. here in the UK which is very cool it's definitely it's really cool and I think um I'm, I'm happy to hear you say that it's cool because definitely when I started it was super uncool to a lot of people in the fashion industry and a lot of people you know I can remember things ringing you know things ringing in my ears and my memory of friends saying to me I was trying to explain to someone what you what you did the other day and they work in fashion and they asked me why you do that like what's it (laughs) I you know I really vividly remember these moments because you know I kind of felt like an outsider that you know really wasn't received in the fashion industry when when I was doing all of this this stuff and especially you know with things like the charity fashion live campaign when I um came up with that and it was you know I I don't know if you guys are sort of familiar um with it but we recreated London Fashion Week looks real Mm. um live in real time as they came out on the catwalk using only what we could find in a single charity shop um and the first year I did it it was kind of a pilot run I didn't know if it was going to work out we ended up doing this for seven seasons but we created three looks that day and it was kind of a handful of friends from advertising and I had this idea and I didn't really know if it was going to work and then it worked and it was like okay interesting I wonder how the fashion industry is going to receive this how is how are designers that we're recreating gonna receive it you know because part of the reason I wanted to do this is because I had this feeling that fashion was so exclusive you know it wasn't inclusive you know so many people want the opportunity to go to fashion week or to you know feel like they're part of the fashion community and it's purposefully exclusive in some instances um and you know I I kind of I wanted young people to be excited about the creativity the art the storytelling that the political um storytelling and you know I also obviously wanted to talk about sustainability and I wanted to talk about how much waste we had Mm. um amassed as a society um and and kind of where it was sitting and how there was so much opportunity to do more with it 
but for me rather than like you say preaching at people I really just wanted to open the conversation you know create a dialogue that people felt excited about just because they felt excited about it rather <laughs> than so open the door to a further conversation rather than it being like leading with god it's all so dire guys what are we <laughs> you know what are we gonna do um so yeah but that was interesting because fashion designers you know like um sibling um and m many others that we recreated responded super well they would like tweet us back saying oh, so good. Yeah. yeah i think sibling you know like the second or third year were sort of tweeting us saying we know you won't let us down can't wait to see what you do with your recreation um and you know to have that kind of um collaboration and that sort of cross crossing over into probably what felt I don't know kind of I don't know whether it felt crafty to the fashion it would have been seen as crafty from the fashion industry at that time or whether that's my own sort of insecurities <laughs> mm -hmm. uh talking but it definitely for me felt like I, di I didn't know how it was going to be received and you know it's not it wasn't at the time something that I felt like fashion the british fashion council were going to be on the phone to me saying should we have this officially yeah <laughs> yeah sure. scrap all this stuff we're doing let's let's just go to the charity shop yeah i couldn't imagine them um <laughs> at the beginning but now it's a really big part of um their conversation so it's quite interesting how things have developed because sustainability is definitely on the forefront of you know the bfc's mindset right now so yeah you again ahead of the game absolutely love that um so you've done quite a few campaigns in your time. So one of them obviously was the uh, Charity Fashion Live that we just spoke about. And then you have another campaign um, called Love Not Landfill. So can you talk to me yeah. what that is? Yeah, so Love Not Landfill were a client of mine um, and I came in to co-produce um, the pop-up aspect of their campaign. So it was really about attracting 16 to 24 year olds to secondhand and sort of so that they could see that as a first port of call um, in terms of how they got hold of their fashion um, and what they thought of secondhand fashion. Um, and I think that people, now people, I think, think that younger people are just like, yeah, they love secondhand and they, you know, they're all eco, but it's, it's, not, it's not the case. There's obviously, you know, different demographics um, and different subsets of groups within group mm -hmm. um, and so the job of this campaign really was to get as many 16 to 24 year old Londoners into that pop-up and engaging with secondhand and all the kind of thoughtful aspects of how you can treat fashion that you either already own or existing textiles um, as much as possible um, and it was kind of my job to design something that that you know 16 to 24 year olds would want to hang around in that they would be a, you know a campaign that they would you know relate to yeah. um and that genuinely felt authentically cool rather than you know a brand trying to make it cool yeah exactly um and yeah it was it was cool because we what we did was we got influencers to curate collections mm from different charity shops so each influencer aligned with a charity that they you know that they felt passionate about and then curated uh collections 
that would then be sold in the pop-up shop, which was really cool because the idea being that people would say, okay, cool, well, I really like confetti crowd style. So I know if I go to this pop-up, I'm going to find something for me. You know, I'm going to find something that's in that vein that's been specifically selected by them. So it's going to, yeah, there's going to be something there for me. And I think that's a barrier for a lot of people when they shop secondhand, especially when it's in store. I think people really worry, am I going to find something that is for me to my taste? Because it's obviously not the same as going to the high street. It's not the same as online shopping on ASOS. You know, you can't put filters in. It's not, you can't paint by numbers in, 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 in that sense. Mm, you yeah. know, there's set out for you on, you know, the seasons are not set out for you. The, the, the mannequins are not dressed right next to the rail that has all of those same items in all the sizes. It's much, it's a much more um, involved process. I feel Definitely. like charity shopping can actually be really difficult for a lot of people. And yeah. And I, I do understand why. I've always been a big charity shopper and I love stores like TK Maxx, for example, and um, stores that I feel like there's a bit of a challenge. Like it, you feel like you're on a game show. Um, whereas my mum couldn't like walk into a charity shop and find something that she would want, even though I'm sure there'd be many things that you know would be in there because it's not, they're normally not kind of designed and set out in a way that is appealing for her. So it seems like yeah. a bit more work um, to, to find what you want rather than, you know, like an easy, enjoyable shopping experience. Um, also, I was going to say, but also, um, don't you find now, I think this has just been something that's probably happened in the sort of past maybe five to ten years, where charity shops are starting to now merchandise. and Some of them. Yeah, some of them. The, I think some of the, the larger stores especially and they bring people in and they want to they want to make it more of like a shopping experience which I think is really nice because they're trying to appeal to a different type of shopper yeah. rather than their usual customers and I mean <laughs> I am the complete opposite to Charlotte where TK Maxx breaks me out in hives I can't go in there <laughs> so <laughs> I can't cope it makes me really nervous I have to know what I'm going in there for normally it's the, the gym section or the home section but that's about it I can't do the clothes and stuff because it's just I don't like the jumble feeling like if I'm going into a charity shop I like to shop in ones that I know yeah. so i feel for it and I I know the people that work there and they may say oh we've seen this for you or something like that so I think I like that that kind of niche slightly more curated feel like a bougie charity shop <laughs> <laughs> if I had a charity shop it would be called that <laughs> good name <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I think I I, I totally I, I know what you mean exactly and I that's actually been a huge part of my work as well as working with charity retailers to um sort of change the face of charity retail if you will um mm -hmm. and i yeah so i did a i did a, a massive bit of work with cancer research your mum would probably love the cancer research shop in marlebone which we completely redid um with a lot of sort of research and data behind you know both the current audience and what they needed from that shopping experience and a younger audience that we were hoping to attract in store um and i think you know that's what's really important it's kind of about meeting people where they are and 
kind of understanding what it is that they need or want and and trying to to provide that like you were saying it's those shops which are all of the probably you're thinking of like the shelter boutiques and you know um the trades maybe that feel for you like they're more organized better merchandise you know all of these guys have an eye on the modern approach to charity retail Mm. Um, and that's a bit of my work that I really enjoy because it's somewhere that I I've always felt I can make a, a really big difference and you know back in the day when I was starting with Charity Fashion Live and we were styling shoots for Charity Fashion Live to promote Charity Fashion Live with you know that were editorial in feel and that were really styled beautifully even if I do say so myself and <laughs> um, and then now you've got all these secondhand retailers and vintage resellers mm-hmm. popping up on Instagram and you know their stuff is super curated it looks beautiful like it's styled really well and that makes me so happy and proud to have been in this space for so long and to have been pushing because of all the no's that I had when I wanted to try and get this work into magazines um, and to, to, to get it recognised. I know that things have been changed by all the work that myself and other people in the space have been doing because of all these re- resellers that are popping up and the way that they're presenting themselves and how there's so much more interest in secondhand now. And that's really pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. absolutely love it. You speak a lot about the importance of valuing your clothes. So how can we promote a healthy, responsible relationship with our clothes, specifically those long forgotten pieces at the bottom of our wardrobes? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's an interesting one. It's a big question. I think something that I've kind of hit upon, probably actually through putting together a recent TEDx, is that I think that the thing that's most important is to think of your clothes as though they are something that you're going to be handing down to a loved one, you know, a daughter, a granddaughter, you know, a cousin, a friend, whomever it might be. Because if you care for your clothes and look after them in that way, then whether they end up at the charity shop or whether they're resold, they still hold value and they're still treasured and they can still live a long life. Um, I think one of the things that's really sad is this kind of throwaway attitude that you, you know, you've mentioned to me that we have with clothing nowadays. Um, And it's really about sort of flipping that switch and changing our mindset on that because our clothes do hold some of our most treasured memories and life moments and I as I say as I was doing this TEDx which I actually did um that the the storyline of it was very much about how when my mum passed away the one of the saddest moments for me was actually going through her wardrobe um and it was how in that moment I realized that you know some of the most treasured memories and life moments and sort of her her identity was really wrapped up in a lot of the clothes that she wore and the things in her wardrobe you know that was who she was to us as kids and to me growing up and we are obviously really emotionally connected to clothes so you know that got me thinking how odd is it then that we have such a throwaway attitude to it 
and how are we you know it's it's ironic that generally as a society we, we have this throwaway attitude and we've got to this place where we're so disconnected from our own humanity when it comes to the human environment the human and environmental cost of clothing um it's weird that we've got to a place where we're so willing to throw those emotional connections away mm. um, and this talk that I, I gave was all about how what we do with our clothes is actually our legacy. Um, and I spoke about the ills of the fashion industry and the, the sort of gross negative impact on the planet and how we're sending 11 million garments to landfill every week. That's just in the UK. And obviously those items are emitting CO2 into the atmosphere as they decompose. And then some of those items are around for what thousands of years by, like, you know, to biodegrade. Um, and the idea that what we do with our clothes is our legacy, both in that sense, but also in the sense of, you know, when you pass, what do your children, what do the people who come after you have to remember you by? Those things are so inextricably linked. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was an interesting, I think that it's, it's really interesting when you sort of delve into it in that way. And another thing that was really interesting, actually, is that a lot of men seem to resonate with that idea. Um, I, this seemed to resonate with them um, because it was guys that sort of came up to me after I delivered this talk. And it, it, some emails I got saying, you know, oh, my husband really, mm. that really resonated with him. And I thought, you know, it's really interesting. I wonder if it's the legacy element. Yeah, yeah, I think it may be. My my partner wears a lot of his um his dad's um clothes from you know the eighties nineties. He has we have a lot in the wardrobe, and it I think it definitely is a legacy and something to remember him by. But um, it's not just memory. He also you know has a style memory that he maybe wants to emulate, and also a lot of the clothes are really in fashion right now, which is crazy to think that they've lasted this long and they've come back. um but yeah I I definitely can understand that because yeah I I, I do live that experience so yeah 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 but personally I um I sort of operate with a, a personal hierarchy of need or want in terms of how I manage my clothes I always shop my own wardrobe first um you know, if I really feel like I need something new, I will rent or buy secondhand. So it's not really new. Um, and then it would only then be something extraordinary if I was to then want to buy. It would obviously be a brand that I'd researched as, um, or that I consider to be sustainable and ethical so far as what I can I can um, obtain by way of information about how that that brand operates. I love that. It's personal. It's with your knowledge and with what you are able to um, understand as sustainability. Yeah, and I think that's an important distinction. Um, You know, you've hit the nail on the head. I think, you know, it really has to be this approach of no no blame, no shade, you know, when it comes to the way that we think about how other people are operating when they try to you know become better consumers better you know more responsible buyers um because we are all on a journey there's always more to learn in this 
that's something I've, I've definitely learned um so yeah no I love that what's I think what we're struggling with on this side so we're obviously new Bianca and I new to this whole kind of sustainability movement and we're learning a lot um as we go and everyone we speak to teaches us something new but what I've realized is it's kind of um there is a big separation and there's a lot of learning to do and there's a lot of education that needs to be kind of um given to the general public but what we're also struggling with is that we're fighting against advertising and marketing spend so it's 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 difficult to kind of relay the message of sustainability um in a way that's um easy for people to understand so that's one hurdle and then what i've noticed is that's fine once they have the message but then when we've got brands like pretty little thing and boohoo.com they're able to put so much money behind advertising and then tempting people to constantly make sure that they've got a cute outfit for Friday night and then another one for Saturday and then making sure that, you know, you're not seen twice in the outfit on the Instagram. Yeah. It's, it's this constant, um, like, headache of, <laughs> of just sell, sell, sell. And I think for the older generation, it's, um, it's a lot easier. There's, I think it comes into different um, age groups. So I think for Gen Z, this is, like the biggest target so it's quite interesting that you're working like with love not landfill for example with that age group because i think they're the ones that really need this education um, yeah that everything is so different now i remember when i was t- in the age bracket of a gen z um but in, in the noughties um i would buy secondhand a lot and i would you know my shopping habits were really different but it's because clothes weren't cheap then and clothes to to look fashionable you either had to shop designer or you had to be smart and yeah. you know I had to be smart because my mum wasn't going to buy me the Miss 60 jeans that I wanted so yeah I think it's very different um nowadays than it was then so people need to just we need to work harder at kind of hitting that gen Z audience so yeah that's just a little note there that <laughs> that I want this to put out but I, I just think it's so interesting the work that you're doing and the focus and how you're you're making it attainable for different age groups that is really needed yeah there's definitely but that's it it's about um like I said understanding that these are so many different groups with different motivations di- different cultural understandings and backgrounds and you know this is all this is closely related to the work that that you do Charlotte but it's I think that's another key point is that you have to understand that people are coming at this from different places you know I once went to um a panel talk where it didn't seem like there was enough of an understanding that you know from an economic accessibility perspective that some people might be coming at this from a really different place and it's you know you you can't you can't assert things like everybody could be doing better and everybody should be doing this because it's really different psychologically how you receive secondhand, for example, if you've grown up only with secondhand clothes Mm -hmm. and hand-me-downs that you didn't particularly enjoy at the time versus if you have just started to buy secondhand as almost like a hobby 
with your disposable income that you, you know, you feel pride in the joy of finding these things because you know that it's a more sustainable way of shopping and Mm -hmm. there's no historical association there for you that feels negative. So of course you can get on the bandwagon and get on with it. But that may not be the same for somebody else who do, who associates secondhand with something else, you know, yeah. time that maybe they couldn't afford things. Yeah, yeah. negative. Yeah, um, or a time that they were forced to take on their brother's rubbish <laughs> style game, you know. <laughs> yeah, oh gosh. Getting away from that hand-me-down um, mentality, but... <laughs> it's yeah. I think, but a lot of people see... I think there are still a lot of people that see that um, that aspect of secondhand as something negative. And I think there is that kind of that socioeconomic issue where mm-hmm. people that have gone from not being able to afford things and sharing or secondhand. And then once they've made some money as they've grown up, they want to get away from that. And I yeah. think they buy into the consumerist kind of m- m- like mentality and we need to all kind of strip it back and say, but we, we don't need to. There's still nothing wrong with how people have lived for hundreds of years and just I think it's we need to be more community minded mm. I think so yeah it just it is something that I see and I see it especially I mean I see it in a lot of um like different friends and stuff and people that have never used to be able to get certain things but they don't see it as shopping smart they see it as they see it as like no I want name brand so why can't I buy the name brand I'm like but you can buy it secondhand and things it's just it always just really gets to me but it's the way of the world unfortunately but we're hoping to change that so yeah but um I am gonna ask you I think our final question for today really and it's something quite fun and it's a new initiative that you have quite kindly started and invited us to be part of and mm-hmm. that's your quarantine quilt would you mind telling everybody a little bit about that please I would not. I'm so, yeah, I'm so in love with this project right now. I love, literally <laughs> love it. Um, it's just, it's a really lovely, um, heartwarming project. And I think it's something that lots of people can probably relate to. So Quarantine Quilt is basically this collective community um, project, which invites anybody and everybody to make a patch for a quilt that will eventually be assembled when we can all meet and when it's safe to obviously send things but it's about having that quiet time you know using scraps that you have at home existing fabrics to make something that really speaks to your own personal experience of being in quarantine and this time um during COVID-19 and so that can be kind of hopes it can be about fears it can be about you know family or support of a network that's really been important to you at this time it can really be about anything um but holistically I think this is really about kind of collective action at a time of insecurity and lots of people feeling powerless or or lonely Um, but it's also really about honoring craft um and it's kind of about the love for how cloth kind of shelters and protects um so yeah it's 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 a it's a project that's really close to my heart you can probably tell all of those things speak really directly to my work um and i also just think it's it's lovely to see and understand 
people's experiences and backgrounds through this because we've had some really amazing patches sent in you know we've had one that really spoke to how somebody's realized again you know i'm sure that they were aware of it already but it's almost like you know really shone a light on how important their um lgbtq community is in supporting them um and so their patch is all about that and then we've had another patch which was about somebody who was caring for um their mum um who has alzheimer's during this time during covid um and yeah it's just been really varied the, the the patches that we've had so far and i'm really looking forward to seeing more that come in yeah on that note i just would like to put a disclaimer <laughs> i am notoriously bad at replying to messages um i think both of you have experienced this but <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't replied to the message but yesterday i did some social distancing with my grandma and she gave me some um embroidery needles and some uh like embroidery silks so I'm ready to start patching oh yes that's so cool and I love that that's from your grandma because actually so my patch and I haven't revealed this yet you guys are first to know Ooh. but um, I've designed my patch and I've got and I've stitched all the bits together and I'm ready to put, assemble them on top of the patch and I've got this button which I'm gonna set like it's 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 a piece of felt which I've made to look like a button with my stitching and it's representative of my nan because she taught me how to sew um and she always had a button box and I remember being really excited when I was little about what button I would get to choose out of the button box oh, I love that. Oh, that is so lovely but yeah so because I've been speaking to my nan every um couple of days and uh, I've really enjoyed you know making that time and having yeah. that closeness and um, so yeah same I really that's something my nan was a dressmaker um when she was younger so she did teach me how to sew I'm just not the best but I have a huge sewing kit um at my parents house and I didn't when I moved into my when I left at like the age 18 or whatever I never took it with me because I'm not really a sewer um but it has everything I could possibly need in there but I was because I saw my nan yesterday I was just like oh if you could just give me anything you have um so I seem to just have yellow silks so we're gonna go for a yellow theme I don't know what that yet represents but I need to sit down and have a think and I'm really excited to have that time to sit down and switch my brain off on you know topics of work and any like social things I'm just gonna sit back and think about my patch and I'm really excited to take that time yeah honestly and I am notoriously bad at filling my time with work I just you, you know and I, it's not something to brag about at all no. <laughs> really it's, it's naughty um but I yeah I I struggle to stop working and this really forced me to slow down and I think that's what's so beautiful about it. it's such a mindful activity anyway so I think you know if you're alone or even if you are um quarantined with people it's nice to be able to just have that moment to do something which is mindful and and sort of mind quieting yeah yeah that's really lovely i'm i'm still thinking about what i'm going to put on mine i've got some old um clothes that i wanted to give to a charity shop but i was thinking i might use one or two of the t-shirts to help kind of do the basis of my my patch and i'm still trying to kind of work out what I want mine to say or what I want it to display so it's just thinking of a design and then I'm gonna start 
putting it all together. But um, yeah, uh, it's just been such a great conversation. Um, there's one thing that we tend to do on the podcast, and I'm not sure if you know, but um, we always ask our guests to set us a kind of sustainability challenge or something. I know I'm putting you on the spot because I forgot to send this over previously, but um, mm. wouldn't mind if there's something that you like a little challenge that you'd like to set us, then go ahead. We tend to, we, we do them, we discuss them on like our catch up episodes and things like that. So go ahead. Oh gosh, what to choose from? <laughs> Well, I think um, it would probably have to be something around revisiting your existing wardrobe. Because so something, something that we've all um, highlighted just chatting now is how cool it would be if we flipped the switch on the idea that, you know, some people think it's not cool to wear things over and over again. And I would love to see you guys demonstrating wearing something from your wardrobes. A number of times um I do that all the time. sorry to be annoying right. all the time my sister tells me she's like do you have any other clothes apart from <laughs> all my Instagram like lives and stories she's always just like you're in like the same things and I'm like because I don't buy anything new <laughs> that's really that's really really cool do you do it on the grid though as well yeah <laughs> so there was one week that I posted the same jeans like four times in a row and my sister was like literally dying and she was like I can't believe you did this I was like but I did but I've worn them like five times this week and I took pictures so you know yeah I've worn yeah there's tops that I've just worn over and over again but um I think it's just because I don't really enjoy shopping anymore so yeah but it's also the language around it I think that's kind of the key is you know one it's the first level is like that sort of subliminal way you know we're all doing it over and over again but mm. then it's talking about it in the same way that people talk about wearing something once so people yeah. are, you know oh yeah. I'm, you know not gonna wear this again this is my new outfit it's like no this is my old thing and I'm wearing it again and it feels great <laughs> yeah exactly like just just to put it in context the dress that I'm wearing today I think I got it I think I got it two months ago I've worn it at least once a week throughout the whole of quarantine and I just keep wearing it again and again because I love it I'm comfortable I feel nice in it why shouldn't you wear something again and again if it makes you feel good yeah but also it's good to recognize why you know when I did run a star consultancy I used to start by asking people to show me the things that they wear the most that they revisit over and over again and then show me the things that they're just not wearing at all because it for me it was about getting an understanding and almost jogging them into understanding why they were wearing those particular pieces like how they made them feel you know and why they felt that whether it was comfortable or strong or whatever it was that they wanted to keep revisiting so I think it makes you a much more responsible thoughtful shopper if you if you know those things about mm-hmm. yourself um before you go out to buy something new definitely and let's keep pushing that conversation definitely yay so this is a nice kind of point to finish i guess if people wanted to follow you where can they find you on social you can find me at mslade edmondson on social you can also get involved with Quarantine Quilt at quarantine underscore quilt. Um, and you can also find my work um, at 
the SLAs, so the Sustainable Lifestyle Awards um, on Instagram. So yeah, wherever you feel suits you best. <laughs> Amazing, thank you for that. Um, so yeah, we're gonna have to work on this whole closing thing, Charlotte, because I'm getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, we're gonna say thank you and goodbye, and we'll speak to you guys next week. Look at that. Thank you so much for having me. Oh. You're welcome. Thank you.